Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for coming back for another episode of the Women's Empowerment mini-series here on the Edge of Fear podcast. My name is Liz Basil Lewison. I am your host. And today we have a guest episode, but this is a really special guest episode to me because it is my first ever anonymous guest. And I can remember a little over a year ago when I first started the podcast, thinking that I was going to offer up to anybody whose story was interesting to me, which is everyone, the option to come in anonymous. And I believe I did actually offer that to most of the first 20 or 40 guests or so that I offered, um, you know, an opportunity to come on to the show and nobody took me up on it and so it kind of just became a practice that fell out of you know my automated emails and my questioning at the beginning stages those preliminary stages of whether a guest was going to be on the show and this friend and i had been talking for a, you know a week or two just talking about I guess what the contents of this episode is about, uh, leaving, leaving an ex, leaving a relationship, leaving an engagement, what have you. But we had been talking in regards to the situation that was going on in her life at that time. And I asked her, you know, whenever you want to be on the podcast, I would love to share this story with more people because it was so profoundly important for me to hear the successes of other women when I was going through this stage of breaking up with a boyfriend, breaking up with a job, breaking up with a city, breaking up with whatever it is. You know, for all of us, it looks different. But it was so crucial for me to hear any kind of relatable story, any any story where I could put myself in that hero position and come out the other side feeling better. So this friend of mine, uh, she and I were talking and then she agreed to be on the show and then we recorded for the show and then she changed her mind and she decided she wasn't ready to have it her story out there and i so respected that you know it's it's really hard to it's really hard to say what you really want when you wish you didn't want that you know when you when you want it to be more pleasing to the masses more palatable and And how real life is that to be on the fence about whether or not you want something? Do I do this? Do I not? Do I do this? Do I not? That's fucking real life. Um, So this is a very special episode to me in that it's the first anonymous episode. It is an important one for me just in how much it resonates with me and with my story of of needing to hear other women going through breakup uh, in order to find the strength in myself to go through with a breakup. Um, You know, I joke in the episode that if you ever know that you want to break up with someone, definitely come to me because I will cheer you on the whole way. Um, But that's not really what this episode is about. It's more about highlighting what is important to you what is your voice where is your voice and how do we access that when we feel like we've been living a lie for so long 
when we feel like we've been like a shell of ourselves. So there's a lot of really awesome nuggets in here. I loved this conversation. Um, and this really opens the door for me for, I think a lot of, a lot of you guys, a lot of you listeners who aren't really sure you want your name on a podcast episode. I don't know why you wouldn't, maybe she'll change her mind in the future. Um, but if you've been wanting to share a piece of your story, but you don't want future employers or something to search your name and find this any connection to this podcast, I totally get that. But if you are listening and you have been thinking that you want to share your story and that you would love to be a mentor in any way to anybody who might be listening, but you're not sure what platform to use, please reach out to me. I would love to have you on as my next anonymous guest. Uh, this is, oh, it's always so fun to record. You know, it's so infrequent in life right now that we really put our phone down for a whole hour and have a good conversation about what we love about our life or what we haven't loved about our life in the past lessons we've learned obstacles we've overcome it's a beautiful life and when we really get present to what is happening you can see and appreciate so much more beauty so i love you i love you enjoy this episode thank you so much for being here i am so eternally grateful for you and i will see you on the other side hi friends welcome to the edge of fear podcast hosted by liz basil lewison at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week, I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. Let's do this. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. My name is Liz basil and I have a friend of mine here that I deployed with uh, back in 2016. I think you got there a little earlier than I did, and I left a little later than you did, um, but we were in Kuwait at the same time playing soccer. I Yeah, we, we deployed back in 2016. Man, that feels like so long ago, but it really wasn't. <laughs> it was, it kind of was, it wasn't, it wasn't. A lot has yeah. happened since then, but it, it feels like forever ago. My life has definitely changed since then. I feel like yours has too. <laughs> oh yeah. A lot of changes have been made since then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Angie and I actually didn't come from the same unit. I deployed out of a unit from New Hampshire and you deployed out of a unit from Vegas. Yep. From Nevada, Las Vegas, Nevada. Yep. From Nevada and we met playing soccer over there so I had seen like a bunch of like like paper print uh like promotion like ads like flyers flyers that's the word I'm looking for um nobody uses flyers anymore so I've forgotten what they're called <laughs> um but I saw like all these flyers for do you want to play on the women's soccer team uh in Kuwait and I was like uh yeah I haven't played soccer in like seven years like give me something to do and I, it's always a funny story because like all the like pictures that I took like on snapchat during that year like have the temperature you know oh so my gosh it's like 120 degrees and we're like playing soccer under the lights on the <laughs> turf where it's like really hot on the turf <laughs> but yeah we we chose to play soccer and I met so many of like my people there it's always such an interesting experience to be in either a training environment or an active duty environment as a woman in the military because it's like, I don't know about what your experience was, but mine was always like one to four. Like there are always four times as many guys roughly 
And even if you get along great with guys, you just need that female camaraderie. You need that female companionship, no matter how much of a guy's guy or guy's girl you are, like you still really need that other connection. And I really only had one other girl that I was super close with from my unit. Um, and other than that, I, I just, we didn't really get along. And I always, it was like my first experience with the army where I didn't have like a connected at the hip best girlfriend in the army. And I had my one girlfriend from my unit who I was, I ended up getting really, really close with and we're still friends now. Um, I'm so grateful for her, but it was, it's like a lot of pressure to only have one friend, you know? So like you have to have other friends. So I had my best uh, guy friends, but it's again, like that need for like human uh, or female companionship as a woman. So being a part of like that soccer team and meeting you and Whitney and Kate and all the girls, I mean, that was like so profound for like my deployment and, and, and what, you know, relationships came out of that for me. Yeah, I completely agree. I felt like soccer was a definite outlet for me. I was in, so the section I was in had, I want to say like eight, eight personnel and I was the only female. So it was very testosterone heavy. Oh yeah. And so having soccer, I think what, what we practiced like two times a week and then we had a game on the weekend, mm -hmm. having the ability to like spend time with people outside of the unit was neat because you got to meet different people from different states. But then you also, like you said, you had that female camaraderie come out and it just, it allowed you to like connect so much with these girls. And I know I, like you said, I'm, I made like lifelong friends, like talk to Whitney and Kate occasionally, like we'll just message each other here and there. So it's, you're able to connect with these people that live in different States, but like you, like you almost get empowered to like keep the relationship because you guys are, are great, great females and you don't get a lot of that. I don't, I feel like I didn't get a lot of that in my unit, which is kind of sad, but it was nice that I was able to get it outside of my unit through soccer. So totally. And I was thinking the same thing, like being surrounded by that, like positive female energy and especially like, you know, not to say that like athletes have better mental health than anybody else. Cause like <laughs> clearly, <laughs> like it, I, clearly it's just like, you're looking for an outlet, you know, I don't think it's necessarily anything better or worse, but it was always like, I met not always, but often I meet, you know, um, like tough girls with like good resilience, like in, you know, the gym or, out on runs or walks or like in nature. And it was the same thing here. Like, I felt like these were like strong, empowering women. And it really motivated me, not just to stay connected, but like to make a difference in my unit, to make an impact with the people around me. And like, no matter where you are, you know, the desert, 130 degrees on a hot day, outside in uniform, long sleeves and pants and boots, you know, under the hot sun, like, you get to show up every day, you get to make that choice. And even if you're the only female, even if you're the only female in your squad or your, you know, platoon or one of two females or three, I was one of two females in my platoon of, you know, 25 of us, I think there were. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was nice to have another female, but it was really nice to have these other women, you know, playing soccer that at least we had this. And like you were saying, like we were from all over the place, but we all like had this like passion for soccer. And I think most of us hadn't played in a long time. So that was like really like a cool like thing to to be bonded by like we're girls in the army which is like a rarity anyway <laughs> and then we also have this like interest in soccer yeah it definitely connected us for sure i feel like i when i got in country like you said you didn't really have a lot of people in your unit that you were close with and i didn't really have that i actually became a sergeant and they say you know in the military when you move up in ranks it becomes more lonely because you you know you can't spend time with the same people you used to because you're on you're their boss basically Truly. so when i i had become a sergeant maybe a little less than a year before my deployment and i was also like really busy with school at the time i was getting my bachelor's degree in nursing science so i didn't really have a lot of friends when i deployed and so when I got there, I felt like soccer was a huge outlet for me because now I was able to really do something I was passionate about that I hadn't been able to do since high school. And I was able to connect with these girls and build relationships and have these people to go to if I had problems, which is really nice because I still have those friends in my life that I, I could call up like out of the blue and just seek out for um, insight or advice, which is what you kind of did for me recently like I think we've talked on and off what for maybe a couple years right throughout the years we've connected through like stuff you've been going on going through or like I've been going through and um, it's always really nice because you don't always get those friendships you don't get the friendships that you can just out of the blue call and be like hey I'm going through xyz can you just listen to me and then give me some advice. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking the same thing. Um, you know, it was like these girls that we're playing soccer with are kind of strangers because they're from different units. So they're going home to different units. So they're, we're, we're never going to be, you know, seeing each other all day, every day. So they're almost a stranger, but you have this closeness. So because you're like bonding over this hardship together. So you're able to like open up to each other the way that you can to like a close friend, but you also have that element of like, this is a stranger. So they don't really know my history. So there's not that much judgment. And, you know, we were able to like share things over the years that maybe you wouldn't with somebody that you are going to see every day because you are afraid you're going to have that judgment. Um, I remember, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I remember like one of the last practices that I was able to go to because I ended up getting um, an injury on my foot. Or oh, yeah. I don't remember if like the season was over anyway. I don't really remember, but <laughs> I think like a bunch of girls were like leaving. So the season was ending for that reason because we were going to get like cut in half. But yeah, I got plantar fasciitis from like literally jumping over the ball and like some girl trying to like, <laughs> like, I don't know. She was trying to like kick me out, like slide under my legs. So I like jumped over her. Like she was trying to like slide. I, I can't think of the word. Soccer's like karate now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was like trying to like kick me out, like knock me out by the ankles. And I like jumped over it and I like landed so hard and so bad on my foot. And the ambulance, the, the on-base <laughs> ambulance had to come pick me up, which like sounds so dramatic. And I'm so not like a go to the hospital person at all because I'm an American and we're all like, we can't go to the hospital unless we're literally dying. <laughs> but um, the on-base 
like ambulance and hospital is like so funny because it's like oh I know this medic this is just like a medic from my unit it's like a funny like 18 year old kid who doesn't know what he's doing is like in the back of an ambulance or maybe driving the ambulance oh how terrifying <laughs> and, right and all like my a bunch of my friends were at that game and so they like came out to the ambulance and like gave me like a an O'Doul's like non-alcoholic beer because it's a dry country so I'm like I have pictures of me like drinking like zero alcohol beer in the back of an ambulance with like my, my leg wrapped up <laughs> um but I remember like the either the practice right before that or right after because I think I played like a, maybe one or two more times after that um but I like drove you back to your unit because I was one of the few girls that had like my own vehicle because my unit had my platoon had um a van we had like a couple of different vehicles throughout the year um but I like dropped you off and I think we were like connecting about like our relationship at the time and you were like telling me about your brother being there and some other whatevers but when we talked the other day um I, I remember that feeling of being able to like connect with somebody who's like not directly related to your life and how it like feels really a little bit easier to open up to people that, you know, you're not going to have to hear the judgment and you don't even have to tell them what happens really. Like, it's just like, here's this one snapshot moment in my life and I, I need to let it out. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, recently we have talked about um, my previous relationship and it's so funny because I think I reached out to you because of that feeling where like I knew I wasn't going to be judged for like previous history or anything and and I needed like a neutral perspective given the situation and yeah I think that was a huge that was huge for me that's what I got out of my deployment really was the fact that I've had now I have several friends I can go to that I can look out to for advice or just to listen to me to kind of like figure out, oh man, like am I am I doing the right thing moving forward or um, kind of give me a different perspective. Like life still goes on even though like something might not work out sort of thing. So um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, so now to kind of like, um, I guess bring us back around to like a couple of the things that we like said we were going to talk about today. Um, one of the big things that I got out of the deployment was seeing because um, the, one of the reasons that you reached out to me recently was to ask if I was in a long term relationship, a serious relationship before Joey, who is now my fiance, recently engaged. But when I was deployed, I was with my, at that point we were dating for about like three-ish years when I left for Kuwait. Um, and so we stayed together through the deployment and then one more year um, when I got home and then we broke up after that. Um, but it that deployment again was like so powerful on my life to like spend that year on my own independent obviously not on my own with my unit you know and a hundred other people that I knew but like on on my own you know in terms of the relationship you know my ex was home and I was in another country and I was so able and so capable to like step up to the plate and like really show up every day and the big thing for me that it like shined a light on was that I was able to like bring like so much joy to my small group of friends and like that I was able to like have a great time in the shittiest of situations and like laugh till we cried like and you know go on these like adventures 
when you really have very little, you know, opportunity for adventures and like you have to just make adventures out of what you do. And when I got home, I realized that like in my relationship, I, I never stepped up like that. I didn't create adventure. I didn't really like create joy. And it was like the, the day to day was just as or more monotonous maybe than on a deployment. Like there's a lot of boring, like hurry up and wait, sitting around waiting on lines and going through the motions of things, but you have different missions. And so you have different problems where my day-to-day in life as a civilian back at home in Boston at the time was, you know, long days management position in a, you know, very physical physically active position where I had my staff who, you know, I was responsible for, and I was always responsible for training them. And I was responsible for their pay and I was responsible for their scheduling. And I had a million responsibilities in my civilian job. And then I went home and I like was not trusted for anything. Like I couldn't be trusted to make choices for what we were going to do with our weekend time for what we were going to do with, with our days off. And he like, just so like squandered my joy and my passions. And it was like, it was so eye opening to see like, you know, that I could have fun in the desert with a bunch of dudes that are like, some of them are really boring, you know? (laughs) And like, some of them are really fun, but like lots of people that I didn't like, you know, that like weren't, just weren't my cup of tea. Like I could do with or without them. I don't hate them or anything, but like, I could do, I wouldn't have chosen to spend a year with them, you know? And then my significant other back home, like just fought with me the whole time. Like didn't make it easy for me. Like didn't support me when I wanted to train to do other things to elevate my military career. He was like, so opposed to that. And just, I was unsupported and it just showed me, I mean, it's very different to support your friends versus to support your significant other because it's such more a sacrifice when it's your significant other. So I understand that and I get it and I can relate to that. And, but at the same time, I would never tell somebody to don't do this because that means that I have to give up some of my time with you. Don't do this because I'm insecure and I can't handle you leaving, you know? So it was, it was just very eye-opening for me in that respect of my time spent away and getting to like reflect back on it for the first time. Cause I had just been in it for so long. That's really disheartening to hear that. Like you even had that feeling going on while you were deployed because I mean, let's be realistic here. Kuwait was, was pretty dang hot and it was pretty miserable most of the time. For you to feel that way, like, oh man, like this is such a, almost, almost like a relief to be away from your relationship that was unsupportive. And I felt like I like related to a lot of the guys that were there that were like in unhappy relationships. Like my people who got what I was saying about like, this is like exactly what you said. Like this is kind of a break from like the fighting of the relationship to be deployed when you're in a shitty relationship can be wonderful. (laughs) 
but to be deployed, I imagine when you're in a really happy relationship, it's probably really, really hard because it was still really hard for me to say goodbye to friends and family and my significant other. It was painfully difficult, but it was upon being gone that I really realized how many, you know, holes there were in the relationship and how many, you know, flaws there were in just like our character traits together that we were able to kind of like brush under the rug for so long because you just go through the motions and you get close to each other's friends and you get entwined in each other's families. And so there's all these other elements that it's so rarely just you two. And I would only really resonate when I was like telling friends on the deployment about my relationship, I would really only resonate with the people who I could clearly see were in bad relationships. So I was like, can you see that I'm in a bad relationship? <laughs> like eventually I was like, why can't I see that I'm in a bad relationship? You know, it's like, we're so blinded to it. Yeah. No, I was just about to say that it's, it's really hard to see things when you're inside of the relationship. Right. And that's why like, it's so important to have outside perspective too, because then yeah. you're like, okay, well, you know, is this something that is healthy or unhealthy? Is this positive or negative? And, and I think with the deployment too, you might've been able to see it because you weren't, you weren't physically in it. You were emotionally in it. You were mentally in it. But I was removed gone. from it physically. Yeah. yeah with like gone. thousands of miles. So it was really like a nice kind of like zoom out and like, mm -hmm. is this what I want for the rest of my life? Oh man. And it must've been really hard for you too at that point because you guys had been together for what three years yeah so i mean and then you had that whole year that you're gone thinking to yourself oh like is this gonna somewhere. work exactly you have right. these doubts and then and then to go home and be like hey i know you've waited for me for a year but here's well, so that's what i had so much guilt about like and that's why it, that's why it probably took that whole first year because we got back in April and mm -hmm. I broke up with him the following May. So it was a whole like 13 months. We moved in together like three months after we'd gotten back and I still wasn't doing drill weekends yet because they give you those three months after the deployment free, <laughs> free, free, here's free, three free months you get as payment for your year of your life. <laughs> Thanks, American government. That's enough. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was, you know, I wasn't back in it yet. But so there were a couple of things going on. Like one, I missed my friend. So it was so funny, like leaving in the first place. I was like, I'm going to miss my friend. And then leaving Kuwait, I was like, but now these are my friends and now I'm going to miss them. And so I was like really missing my best friends, you know, my guys and my, and my girlfriend from the deployment, my platoon, my squad, my people, my everyday people for an entire year, you know, and then, and I was in Boston and most of them were in New Hampshire. Some of them were in Virginia and Pennsylvania and Georgia. They were all over the place. So, you know, it was going to be three months till I saw them and we moved in right around that three month mark. We moved in, I moved in with him. Um, and I had, I think I had started going to therapy like a month earlier, but I was home for about two weeks when I started telling him like, I am depressed and I need to be in therapy. Like something is wrong. And I didn't see any combat. So I can only imagine like what, like soldiers who actually go through like real combat situations have to deal with when they get home because 
like my mental state was just not at its best. So that honeymoon stage of getting home lasted roughly two weeks. We were literally on vacation for a whole week of it. And then I was like, oh fuck, like I actually really miss my people. And uh, it seems real clear to me that I'm not happy in this relationship. And then I moved in with him two months later and then we didn't break up for another nine months. So it was a, a long couple of years. And going back to like the talk about the transition, like from going from deployment setting to coming home, I think that's really hard for a lot of people. I think that people don't really talk about it as much as they probably should. And like you said, you know, because we didn't really see combat firsthand, we weren't in like live fire or anything. People just assume that because we didn't endure something like that or experience something like that, that we aren't allowed to come home and have a hard time transitioning. But it is, it's a huge deal when you come, when you start, you know, you build these relationships overseas with these people, you see them every day, like every single day for almost an entire year. And then to come home and be like, oh, well, you've been gone for a year, life's been going, like stuff doesn't halt. So you kind of just have to insert yourself back in. And that transition isn't always easy for people. And I think that that coupled with everything else that was going on with your life, it's completely understandable why why you did reach out for help. And I think that's really courageous of you because mo- not many people do reach out for help when they, they need to. Yeah. And then and then they go down the line, they have more relationships and they just, you know, they don't figure out what they want in life. And then next thing you know, they're finally seeking therapy and it's like 10 years later. Yeah, and like maybe too little too late. Um, (laughs) yeah. And like the, the way that you see your people every day in a military setting, like the way that you said, like you're seeing them every day, it's not quite the same as the way that you're seeing your coworkers in a civilian job every day, because it is sometimes starting at four or five in the morning. And sometimes it goes until nine, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Sometimes you're doing overnight shifts with these people and you don't necessarily ever get to decide who you're with. You are sent on missions and you are in close quarters and you are literally like watching each other's back, have each other's back no matter what. And again, I think that that really like had this spotlight for me of like, these people have my back no matter what. And you have to get into like a working relationship with, with people. And it really like forces you to grow up. And I think if you're like 18, it's a different story. Like it probably forces you to like hate people more, but like I was 22 when I enlisted. And so by the time I deployed, however many years later, I was 27. And so I was like, okay, you know, this person isn't my favorite person in the world, but like, these are the good things about them. You know, these are the ways that they are helpful to the mission. These are the ways that they are helpful to our platoon and to the greater mission of our battalion. And these are the ways that whether or not I like working with him doesn't really matter because I'm going to have to work with him. And so I better swallow my own pride and I better figure out a way to have a working relationship with them. And so if I'm able to like step outside of that and do that, in my army force situation, shouldn't the partner that I choose be able to like, shouldn't we be able to have that same respect for each other and like be able to, you know, overcome hardship together through communication and like expressing your needs and desires. And it it really, it really was, you know, such an interesting dichotomy and it, it really, 
I'm so grateful for the deployment for all these reasons, you know, because I feel like it was like, it was kind of my first journey into myself. It was like, that was like the longest I'd been alone without really like a boyfriend or a hookup. And it was like, just me. And obviously like I had the girls soccer team. I had my squad. I had my platoon. I had, you know, my friends at home for FaceTime and my family. I talked to my family more while I was deployed than I ever talked to them before in my life. <laughs> um, so you do have like a lot of support, but it's, it's very different, you know, to not have, I think I, at that point I'd been in like relationship after relationship for like 12 ish years, you know, 27. Yeah. So, um, 15, yeah. 12 years, my first boyfriend, pretty much like one right after the next. So I didn't have a guy to rely on. I didn't have a guy to lean on. I didn't have, you know, anybody that I could just like spend my Saturdays and Sundays being, you know, lazy with, or, you know, going on adventures with, and like, kind of like avoiding problem and avoiding problems and avoiding problems and like pushing it all under the rug. Um, it was like just me. And so I started to really like look inside and, and started to start this journey that I don't think I really started for like another year or two, but I like was starting to ask these questions of like, what's, what's important and where am I going? And like, what does it all mean? And what's the purpose of life? Um, and it's, it's important to start somewhere. So. I feel like I'm hitting that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a couple of years late, but. Uh... You're not late. I, how old are you? 28? I'm 28. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're, 28. you're doing exactly on time. My, my <laughs> journey really started years after like two years after the deployment, roughly like 28, 29 years old, where I started to like have some accountability for my, you know, what I was, what I did in the relationship and what I didn't do in the relationship and what I said and what I didn't say, you know, um, and not just that relationship, but every relationship with my parents, with my siblings, you know, with work, with my relationship with working and work ethic, my relationship with money and with men. And like, it's, it doesn't all happen at once. It's like little by little, you know, you start peeling away the layers and you're like, oh, fuck, there's a lot of problems here. <laughs> exactly. I feel like I've been peeling off layers for the... I probably a good three weeks now oh man <laughs> like all these problems are surfacing and I'm like did I really do that like you just don't think about stuff like a lot of the times like like you said when you're in a relationship you don't really you don't always see the shit that you're in and then one day it just kind of hits you and you realize man like I'm unhappy yeah like I can't keep doing this I can't like it it kind of like takes bits and pieces of you and then you realize you're like I don't know who I am I don't know why I'm doing this and I have to make changes. And then as you're like starting to really think about like your actions from these different relationships, you're like, okay, maybe I am at fault for doing that. Like I need to stop doing that. That's not okay. Like I need to make changes because if I don't make changes, I'm not going to be a healthy individual. Like I'm not going to be the strong person that I am. Yeah. Something that um, we talked about uh, prior to this conversation was the way that we can be so strong in other aspects of our life. So, you know, you can be a phenomenal student, an excellent leader or manager or, you know, squad leader, platoon sergeant, whatever, captain, like whatever your role is. I think, I mean, I imagine this is difficult for everybody. 
But I think that for some reason, as a woman, to stand in a leadership position in like a professional role is like this thing that we aspire to as women. We're like, look at the ways that I am a success and look at the ways that I can stand up and show you, you know, how powerful I am and how resilient I am and how capable I am. And then in our relationships, we so often like become this like meek, meager, like, like voiceless, you know, caricature of ourself. And it's like, suddenly you realize you're like hollow inside. Like, why am I even here? And these are why, this is why I need to make these changes because I don't even know what I like about this situation. And it becomes so hard to make those changes because you're like, well, that's going to require effort. You like have to realize like, this is going to be, it's going to be a lot harder to make those changes than it would be to just stay here complacent. So how bad is it? Is it really worth me, you know, taking those steps to make the changes? Because if it's bad enough, then I should. But if it's okay, you know, we get comfortable just floating in that shit, that shit water. <laughs> I know you like that analogy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that analogy. I was laughing so hard when I listened to that podcast. <laughs> I quoted it for days. I'm like, I was floating in shit water for so long. I got so comfortable in it. I didn't even notice the stench anymore. It was like, this is normal. This is life. Like, <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. I feel like I don't. I mean, maybe it's just me, maybe it's a bunch of women that we just don't talk about it, but you can be so professionally and so academically strong in that setting and then have like the shittiest relationships. And I feel like that's probably been my life for a very, like probably since I've been dating almost. And I really don't know why I've tried to dissect it and be like, okay, well, maybe it was because you know, my upbringing, I would see my dad and like my mom's relationship and my mom was always very passive. And so that's how I'm supposed to be with every relationship I'm in is I'm supposed to just say yes and just do as I'm told. And the military probably didn't help that because that's how the army has always been like, you know, you're, you have an order, you follow it. And then even in the nursing world, now that I'm in the nursing world, that's how I, I, I function. I get an order from a doctor and I follow through with it. And so, um, it's, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing in, in my, in my eyes, because I've, it's run my relationships. Like I'm just this, this passiveness. And I think that, I don't think I'm the only woman who goes through this where like, you know, you're very strong, like academically and professionally strong, but, but then like your relationships are just not at the same level. Um, like basically from like the time I graduated high school, I went straight to college, like straight state college. I focused nothing on, I focused on nothing but college. I missed out on the partying aspects of my 20s that like most people experience, but I traded it in for my bachelor's degree in nursing science all at the same time while I was being promoted as a sergeant, be get, becoming a leader in the military. And then, then I was deploying and then I was meeting all these great people and I was still a leader in this aspect because I was a sergeant overseas. And then coming home and jumping right into another leadership position, working in like the critical care setting, being responsible for all these patients and making sure that their health and well-being are, are taken care of. And now I'm 
now I'm going back to school to get my nurse practitioner license. So it's, it's been like nonstop for me academically and professionally. And I've always been very driven and very motivated and, and very strong in that aspect. But I can name several relationships during all those times that have just not been healthy. And that's so concerning because how do you get this person who is so strong in one aspect, but then I'm almost weak. Like it's almost like my, my weakest point is, has always been my relationships. Yeah, I really resonate. <laughs> that brings up a lot for me. Um, I speak pretty candidly about like my relationship with my father on this podcast because I feel like that was so much um, of like the starting point for this podcast for me was really getting down to like the nitty gritty of my relationship with my dad. And he never beat me. He never sexually assaulted me. Like it's like pretty standard, like easy <laughs> problems that I have with him, but they have scarred me. And I really had to take some accountability for, you know, my role in that. And the way that I've told myself this story for, you know, 15 to 20 years of like, no matter what I do, it's never going to be enough for my dad. And the way that that has impacted me in my relationships. And what I really realized upon examining the relationship with my dad was that my relationship with my mom is also a little bit scorned because I was angry at her and I didn't even realize it for letting my dad make me feel this way. And now as an adult, I can say for, you know, and a, a self-aware adult, I guess, I can say I, uh, I was mad at my mom for letting me, let me feel that way, you know, or for like, I felt that way. And, you know, I did play a, a part in it. I could have still said something, but I felt like I couldn't. And my mom is a strong matronly woman and she is, you know, so powerful and my my dad always said mom's the boss and i'm the horse and that was like the phrase that we like grew up on so like at the end of the day mom gets the final say but i would like hear them fighting and i would see what my mom was doing like all the chores all the cooking all of the raising of the children and i was like I don't fucking care, you know, at like seven in my seven-year-old brain, I don't fucking care who's bringing home the bacon. Like, what about mom is doing all this shit? Like, and it didn't make sense for a hundred years. Like it only just makes sense now in the last few years, I'm 31 years old, but like it didn't, to me, it didn't seem like there was a fair give and take. And it doesn't have to be 50, 50. It doesn't have to be, you give exactly what you give. Um, but there is this like this thing that I've, I've read about a lot in the last couple of years where women have this this need to do everything and it's so often for other people so it's interesting that you know we we talk about our roles as leaders and how we can give and give and give and it does make us look good but is that for us or is it because it looks good for everybody else like who is that really for um so a couple of people that i just want to note because for people who are listening to this if they're interested in doing you know any of their own homework on this um glennon doyle Brene Brown and Kate Northrup talk so much about how much we do and how like staying relevant and staying on top of your shit and stay and having a busy calendar 
how that makes us feel really accomplished, but it doesn't really like feed our soul. And the same thing with like, you know, having like a perfect house, having a perfect apartment, having, you know, a manicured lawn and, and doing all of those other things that like so much are for other people. Are they for us? Are they filling our soul? Are they fulfilling us? Um, and it's just so interesting to see the impact that our parents' relationships with each other and with us have on us all through life. But um, actually the conversation that I had, I ended up having with my mom yesterday and I just posted something on um, Instagram this morning about it, how um, poison it, or resentment is like the poison that we drink and wait for the other person to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so like, that's what like, resentment is anger so like holding on to this like anger at my ex or anger at my dad like all that does is that like pollutes my ability to love um and so i don't want it to i don't want to feel incapable of a healthy and supportive loving relationship i i know that i deserve that and that i want that and i you know i want somebody to support me and and you know my fiance is like so supportive and so filled with love for me and he makes me feel like I have wings and I could fly and do whatever I want. And I've never felt anything like that in the past at all. And like my mom has just such skills and ability and my dad supported her through college. Like she went back to school and got her master's after she'd raised us and everything, but he didn't like encourage her to really do anything with it. So she got her master's and it's like, you know, a trophy on the wall with nothing to show for it other than, you know, the degree. And like, I want more than that for me. I want to have a voice in my relationships and I want to do what I want to do. Yeah, I think, I think once you lose your voice too, I mean, you kind of lose control of your life. You let the other person control you. And then over time, you just kind of just, you're sitting in the shit again. <laughs> um. So we talked a little bit about, you know, being a woman in the military. We talked about, um, you know, showing up as like different selves in, in different aspects of our life. Um, but now in, in this matter of like losing your voice and like losing what's important to you and like what makes you, you know, what makes you shine in, in some roles, when when we talked about this, I think uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, you know, how specifically your role recently was, you know, you were promoted to battle captain. Yeah. <laughs> really and how, yeah. And how like you felt like you had like really like a good handle on things at work, but you would go home and, and you felt like it wasn't the same thing at home. Like you didn't have the, the same handle on it. Yeah, so kind of backstory, um, kind of going a little bit backwards, but kind of give, I guess, the listeners an idea of why that's so. Um, I was with this guy for almost three years. We were engaged for about a year and a half. And I started recognizing, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to school full time um, to get my nurse practitioner degree, which I think I mentioned previously, but so I, I haven't been working full time. I've just been going to school. And I think over the last few months, as the wedding date was approaching, I started to see things that really bothered me. 
I felt like I could no longer win an argument. And I felt like that's not how arguments should be. You shouldn't like be in an argument to win it. You should be able to communicate with your partner and, and have an understanding on both sides and be able to like sympathize and, and come to an agreement or collaborate or negotiate something, something that's productive and positive. And I could just, I dread, I was dreading every moment we would fight. I was walking on eggshells all the time to make sure that everything was perfect. Um, over time, I even created a list of like, I don't know, I probably went up to like 30 things of things I needed to work on personally so that I could make our relationship positive and, and healthy and work. And it, I don't know, I just, one day I woke up and it just became such, such an overwhelming feeling on my chest that I was going to end up with this person the rest of my life. And I, I wasn't the person that they wanted me to be. And I didn't know who I was anymore. And so the battle captain stuff came in a little shortly afterwards. I had sat down one day and I actually went to drill that weekend because I'm still in the guard. And I went away for the weekend. I got to really think about some stuff. And I remember sitting on the bed in the hotel room thinking to myself, that I could finally breathe. I was laying in the bed staring at the ceiling and I'm like, I haven't felt this way in such a long time. The ability to be by myself, to not feel like I can't do things for myself. I, I have to be checking in. I have to be um, constantly messaging this person, letting them know that I care about them and that I miss them. And that there was always just this constant feeling that I had to make sure that they knew that I was like, I was being, I was getting approval from them for our relationship. And I, it was just constant and overwhelming. And after realizing that I had, hadn't been happy in such a long time and sitting in that hotel room thinking, man, I, I, I like this feeling. I like the feeling that I'm away from my fiance and I'm happy and that's not okay. And so when I got home and told him all this, I mean, the week was hell. It was a lot of back and forth. It was a lot of, oh man, I'm going to lose all of my friends and, and the people that I love because, you know, this person, you know, they were friends previously. So it just, it was a lot of, a lot of fighting internally, externally. I reached out to a therapist, actually two different types of therapists I, I reached out to because I just, I was so perplexed on what to do. I, I had imagined my life with this person for so long and the idea of ending things was such a scary thought because here I was, I had planned my entire life around this person and now I was just going to, and I had committed myself to marry this person and now I was just going to say, hey, this isn't working, so we're just going to end things. I felt like such a monster and the fact that I also felt like he was such a great guy. It did not make it any easier. It actually made it a hundred times harder. Mm -hmm. um, and so at the end of the week, I finally decided that, you know, enough was enough. I needed to make a decision because I could see it was killing him. Just the uncertainty of what was happening day by day. And after talking to several people that I felt were very neutral, I didn't reach out to my friends or my family about this. I really wanted to make sure that the decision I made was my own decision, which 
is something I haven't done previously in like other relationships. Normally I would reach out to my friends and family and they'd be like, yeah, freaking cut that cord and move on. <laughs> but I really, it was really important to me to get a neutral perspective. And so having like two different types of therapists, like give me their perspective. And then also like reaching out to you. Um, I reached out to two other people and then you also gave me a contact, which was really nice. Amy, Amy's, awesome. if Amy's listening. Thank you so much. Shout out to Amy. <laughs> um, but at the end of the week, I, well, middle of the week, I had found out that I was being put on orders to help with COVID issues and they needed a nurse. So I'm currently in the Air Force. I was in the Army, but I'm now in the Air Force and I am a nurse in the Air Force. So they told me that they, that they needed a nurse. So I said, sure, you know, put me on board. And next thing I know, I'm the battle captain for the Army just because they saw my name, they recognized me, and they go, we want that girl to be in charge of this area. So now I'm completely transitioned into something I didn't really have a lot of experience with so that was really overwhelming too but given the situation oh man it just it was so much to take in all at once you know ending this really important relationship in my life at the same time like now I'm I'm going on orders and it's full time and I could be working five to seven days a week and I could be answering phones at you know all all throughout the the day and and all at night and then no, now I'm, I'm in school full-time too, so I'm, I'm juggling so much that it was so hard for me to, like, really, really think about what I was doing in the moment at first, but I've had, like, a couple days here and there. I've, I've been able to, like, really reflect on what's happened and think about it, and I think, like you said, losing your voice is huge in a relationship, and when you get to that point, you lose who you are. And that's kind of how, that's, that's all, it almost justified my, it gave me the justification as to what I did. You know, I needed to move forward. I needed to end that relationship so I could start to focus on myself and, and learn more about myself and, and kind of figure out like what I want in life and where I see myself in the future and, and hopefully going forward, mend the relationships I do have that aren't as strong and improve the ones that, that I have currently. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so many things that you said that like opened up a lot for me. Um, the first one was uh, when you said that you created a list and it was like suddenly like 30 items long of like oh. things that you needed to improve. I, I thought you were going to say you made a list of things that like you needed him to change or things that you needed to talk. So when Dave and I broke up, or actually it was like seven months before we broke up, I started a list um, as well. And mine was like 30 things long too, but mine was things that I wanted to talk to him about, things that I had literally silenced myself so physically that I couldn't even talk to him about it at all. So I had an ongoing list of things that I was like needed to get off my chest. Um, and you know, time happens and the list accumulates more and more items and it becomes even harder to say. Um, and you're absolutely right that like losing your voice does justify you're leaving the relationship. Like you said, um, you haven't made a decision like on your own before you said, you know, you haven't made 
the decision to leave a relationship on your own. And it's like exiting this relationship. It was the same thing for me leaving Dave, like exiting that relationship is the start of you entering in a relationship with yourself and relearning yourself and reconnecting with yourself and finding that voice that you've lost, you know, because you still have it. Obviously the military sees it in you, obviously, you know, nursing school sees it in you and other people see it in you, but you don't see it in yourself yet, you know, across the board and in your relationships with others. Um, and, you know, you have, you have to like remind yourself and maybe start a positive list. You know, um, I actually, uh, I read a couple of years ago in this book, um, the little book of happy, um, it's by this, uh, Danish, Danish, uh, happiness researcher. And he has this thing called the smile file. And it's basically, it started out, they researched it because at work, people so often only remember that uh, the negative things that people say to them, you know, their boss saying, you didn't get this project out on time, or this is the deadline, I, and I needed you, I needed a day earlier now, or, um, you know, you remember negative customer complaints, or you remember the time that you failed on this whatever thing. Um, and that's what we remember. And that's how human brains have evolved to remember things for survival reasons. Because if you remember the animals that attack you or the plants that kill you, then you will survive. But in today's day and age, we don't need to remember what plants are going to kill us mostly because we have a grocery store for that reason. So we have to like rewire our brain. And so the smile file, they started at work in like corporate offices where every time somebody would give you a compliment, you would write it down. And now in the age of computers, I keep a Google Doc, an ongoing Google Doc. So when people give me good compliments that I like feel deeply that like resonate with me, like really good ones, I write them down and I write down who said it and where I was and maybe a little bit about the context of the story so that I can remember it for when I want to re reflect back on it. But when I'm having moments of failure or moments of self-doubt, things like that, I can refer to this list, the smile file, and it like boosts me so much. And it doesn't always work, you know, like when you're really feeling like down in the dumps, but just go through and read because when you see like 10, 20, 15, you know, nice compliments of people that like, especially when they come from like strangers who don't even know you that well. And you're like, I made this person say this, like they didn't even know me, you know, like how great, but people you love and trust and respect when they are saying good things about you. Like you might not be able to listen to yourself and tell you that you're good, but you could see other people who are saying it. Like maybe they'd be right. <laughs> um, yeah. I really, the thing about um, like feeling guilty because he's a good person and like, you know, feeling like, you have to walk on eggshells or like you have to accommodate for them. That's really um, the, the reason that I named Glennon Doyle before is because she is this gay woman who's now married to Abby Wambach, the um, oh, soccer player, you know, soccer. So <laughs> she was in the Olympics for soccer a hundred years ago with like Mia Hamm. Um, but uh, this woman, Glennon Doyle was, she's an author and she was previously married to this successful guy, I have no idea. Um, but they broke up because she realized that she was gay and she was in love with Abby. Um, 
And so she talks a lot about like speaking your truth and like really facing what the emotions are and, and giving up that need to please everybody else. And it's such like a feminine attribute to, to like give up who you are because you want the relationship to go well. And I'm like, is that what my mom was fucking doing? Is that what my mom was teaching me, you know, as a child that like, it doesn't matter how little sleep you get, as long as the kids are, you know, well-fed and well-dressed and off to school on time, you know, it doesn't matter how much she and dad fight as long as they stay married, you know, like there were so many times where I'm like, are they going to get divorced? Like they're really fighting a lot. Like, and I'm so grateful that they didn't. And they now have like a much more, you know, sturdy, I think relationship, but I'm also not at the house anymore. So who knows how much they're fighting when I'm not there, you know, but it's just like so female of us to like give up so much of ourselves. And that's really where I'm standing right now in this like female empowerment thing that I'm leaning into and you know why I reached out to you like when I was going through my breakup, it was so crucial for me to see other women who had stepped out of theirs and who had you know, stood in their truth and, and, and spoken their truth and told their story because otherwise I would have felt like I was totally alone and no one else has ever done this. And who else has left a, a relationship that was just okay? You know, like not that many people do it when the relationship's just okay. It's like good enough. Like I, I don't really need to leave. It's going to be really hard. So it just, um, you know, listing things about yourself when you're so wonderful it's like so so hard to see that after the fact but it really helps you you know reflect and and see how far you've come already just in a few weeks yeah i, I think something that really stood out what you just said was reaching out to women who kind of went through the similar things to see like okay i'm not alone in this this has happened before and then seeing how positive positive things have happened since then and you like stood out 110% and maybe like I wasn't thinking about it at first at the time because I really just wanted someone to talk to and I'm like I just need someone who doesn't know what's going on in the relationship but still knows me and my character and the person I am but it's almost like subconsciously I knew I knew what I wanted was for the relationship to end but I needed to know that I was going to be okay afterwards yeah. And you also had mentioned um, that women, like we naturally want to be like people pleasing. And that is 110% me. I've always been a people pleaser. I always give up the person I am to accommodate other people. I'm always apologizing. And maybe it wasn't as bad a couple of years ago, but it's definitely gotten horrible now. Like I even, I even went back in my conversations with my ex and you can go through like the little search history in your like Facebook messenger. And I typed in the word, sorry. And it came up so many times. It made me sick. <laughs> like, why did I apologize for that? Like, why, why, why did I apologize for, Oh man, just like the dumbest stuff. And, and it's not like, you know, he, he, he didn't beat me. He wasn't, a, he wasn't abusive. He, he was a good person. It's just after, so many issues in the relationship, I felt like I wasn't enough. I wasn't, I wasn't the person he wanted me to be and I needed to change everything I was. And, and like, even, even the person, like, even like the small stuff, like what I wore and the way I acted in front of like his friends or like just 
stuff that makes me me and you don't even realize it because that when you're with someone you're like well you know I like I love this person I want to make sure that they're happy and if you know if I can wear this this dress that they really like even though it's it makes me uncomfortable like it's not that big of a deal like whatever who cares but then you start to realize as I'm going through this list it was everything about me like everything that made me me like the the comments I would make or the way I would argue or like the way that I would um speak or dress or, or stuff I would eat like just just stuff everything was criticized and after a while like I mean I have to take responsibility for that too like I let it go on for so long that you know I I am at fault there is definitely I'm definitely like at fault for you know portion of like that relationship getting to where it was but it was a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was a people pleaser yeah yeah, you are preaching to the choir on, um, you know, what, where the criticisms were and they're like everything and they are exactly that, like what you said, like things that make you, you, um, I just, it's so different to be loved for those things and like praised for those things and like your friends and like strangers and like people that really love you even like those people like really can show you like, Oh, I love how you just like show up as you and you wear what's comfortable. And when you're doing things for other people, it doesn't have that same brightness to it. So you might be wearing this gorgeous dress, but if you don't feel comfortable in it, that shows like confidence comes from inside and like, you might have to like fake it till you make it a little bit. And I, I really do firmly believe in that, but that's also like why I do like affirmations and stuff. I have to remind myself, I have to tell myself that like, I am worthy of a healthy and supportive loving relationship. And like, I am comfortable in my skin, even when I don't feel it. If I say it to myself over and over again, I'm comfortable in my skin, I'm comfortable in my skin, I'm comfortable in my skin. Eventually you start to believe it. It's the same thing with the opposite. When you're knocked down a peg, knocked down a peg, knocked down a peg over and over and over again. Why are you wearing that? Why are you wearing that? Why are you saying that? I can't believe you said that. Like these constant nagging, like, like chops and attacks at like your character and who you are as a person. And like, just that feeling of like, I'm never going to be enough. And I have to change so much for you. is like so disheartening. And, and it just like, it really like, cuts you down after a while and it's it's hard yeah and another thing was you know like you said if other people are seeing how great you are but your significant other doesn't and there's always these criticisms about everything there's always comments made about everything it gets to the point where you're like why why doesn't my significant other see what other people see yeah like i used to think i was so great and now i'm at this point where i'm like constantly questioning the person i am Yet, I know that I'm a strong woman. I know that I'm very independent. I know that I can lead when I need to lead. And I can put my stressful situations aside to deal with what needs to be dealt with. And not many people can do that. Yeah, truly. Um, I'm excited for you because 
uh, like I told you from the time that I spoke to you, I mean, it was clear when we finally were able to connect um, a couple of weeks ago, like when you were kind of at the start of this, um, that you had already made your decision and you were just reaching out to be like, I'm just, you didn't say it to me, but I could tell it from what you were saying, but you were basically like, I'm okay. I just want to know that I'm going to be okay if I go through with this breakup. And just in your demeanor and in you know the the evidence that you were presenting to me i was like uh yeah she's already made her choice so i'm gonna just support <laughs> you and your choice <laughs> um i also told angie if you're ever looking to break up with somebody i'm your girl to call <laughs> because literally i'm not exaggerating when i say my life started when i ended that last relationship because i was so a shell of myself and the first couple of weeks are hard, you know, and you'll go through waves. There's like a three week hump and a three month hump and a seven month hump and whatever, but like, you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. You are beautiful and you're a beautiful soul and you're a good person. And I can already tell like that you already have your shit together. I mean, way more than him, but like you already have your shit together. Like in so far as like a breakup is it, it's, there's a lot of guilt on both sides, whether you're the one doing the breaking up or you're the one getting broken up with, it doesn't really matter. There's guilt on both sides because you kind of realize what you're, you know, what you did to contribute to this mess. <laughs> like whether, again, you, whether, whatever side you're on, you know that you contributed because it wouldn't have gotten this far if you didn't. And knowing that like, you can't live your life which some people never get to this point, but knowing that you can't live your life pretending to be something that you're not, that is just not sustainable at all. And so just taking that first step is so huge. And like, it's hard and it weighs on you, but it's so important for that, like ultimate, like freedom, like that first breath that you took in that hotel where you realized like I can breathe and I'd rather be alone than like miserable with the wrong person. Like that's, that's how it feels. And you can take as long as you want to breathe. I did, you know, two years of breathing before I started dating Joey. And, and that was really important for my growth. I mean, I also like traveled, like you can, you can stay in your town and just meet new people, or you can date online, or you can do like, there's so many, the world is your oyster. Even with coronavirus, the world is your oyster. I swear to God, ladies listening out there, like, don't be a shell of yourself. Take that first step, you know, it doesn't always mean break up with your person either. Like it could very much mean like just start speaking your truth, like share your list of complaints, share your feelings, communicate freely. And it's, it's really hard once you're like a few years in, I think. And that's where like women start to get trapped. And I'm sure men too, that's where you start to get trapped where you're like, I can't speak. It's been so long since I've really shared what's in my heart and I know I'm going to hurt his feelings or her feelings. And I know, you know, this is going to look like it's coming from nowhere, but it's like years of resentment. Like once that resentment builds, it's a lot harder to speak it. So take that first step, speak your truth. If they're not willing to have a conversation with you, you know, then consider, then, then consider calling me and I'll talk you through the breakup. But <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. If, if anyone's anyone needs uh, an, an ear, you're definitely like the most inspiring breakup story I've ever heard of in my entire life. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
but you did you did mention like that guilt plays like a, a big role in, in that breakup too and I I definitely I feel I feel guilty sometimes when I think about it because I I did contribute to a lot of the shit that we were floating in for so long <laughs> I really did I I mean I didn't speak up about things and I really should have and you know I was so afraid of talking because whenever we we talked about anything that was controversial it it just became this huge fight and then it would go on for days and days and it was just so draining it was so much easier for me to just accept it and move forward and that if if there's anything that I, I wish I wish I would have said something much sooner especially given the fact that I you know I was about to make a huge commitment to you know spend the rest of my life with this person and so if anyone out there is having any doubt about anything, absolutely speak up yeah. because you, it's not fair to the other person. It's not fair to yourself to continue yeah. in a situation that you're not happy because eventually it will come out, whether it's a month, a, a couple a year, a couple years, eventually it, it will surface and it, it won't be pretty when it does. And it's just much easier to do it sooner rather than later. Well, you could save someone a lot of time and effort. Right. Rather than surfacing as like anger and hatred and resentment, you can, you can bring it out and it doesn't have to be slowly. Just speak your truth. Just speak your truth as quickly as you can spit it out. You'll feel this, like this weight off your shoulders, like this instant weight, this like heaviness that you've been like under this pressure that you've been under like suddenly like that's it's just such a relief um it's not sustainable to be something you're not you nope. can't you can't live like that forever um so we're coming up on an hour so i think we're gonna wrap it up here soon i know it like flies by <laughs> um but thank you so much for being on um like i said you look great you sound great I know it like you, you might be on a hump, you might be on the uphill or the downswing, I don't know right now where you currently are, but like, you look great. I can hear it in your voice. Like the, you know, the zest for life is back. And like, even when you're like in school and in military and doing all the things, like it, like at least keeps your mind off of things. And you're like able to just kind of like dig into your work when you get those moments to reflect and like really sit with it, like really, really sit with it. And like, and think about what you want in your life because now you get to choose and like lay that out for yourself because really seriously, like the world is your oyster. I see so much in your future. Like you've always been this like adventurous spirit and you're like so hardworking and you really have so much to offer the world. Forget about one person, the world. And I just want the best for you. And I know you deserve it. And forget him. <laughs> You're amazing, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks for being an inspiration. I'm so excited for you and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz without a pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would, please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app share it to your Instagram story and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.